Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. Today, my co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn, and I are joined by Gary and Sharice Zaleski from R3 Ministries, a ministry that serves leaders who have had some significant issue with sin that has taken them out of public ministry. We will be talking about why these situations are so common, how churches can handle them in a healthy way, and how all of us can learn to pay attention to our own hearts and lives so that we can avoid having our lives sidetracked by poor decisions. All of that and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. All right, welcome to Season 2, Episode 18 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. I am Brian Kiley, and I am happy to be in California on a day where it is very cold everywhere else in the United States. Yes, I How am. How about you, uh, well, Lance, I'm Hahn. Lance Hahn, And I'm still happy to be in California. I think the whole idea that God would shine upon one state so much more than everyone else, that's yep. fantastic. And as long as I'm there, that's cool. Hey, you know... Well said. All right. Well, we are uh, very excited for our conversation today. We are joined by Gary and Sharice Zaleski. Thank you to both of you for coming on the show today. It's great to be here and uh, to be able to share some of the stuff. Is We're praying that more healing will happen than we can begin to imagine. Amen. It's yeah, exciting. And it's exciting to be in California while we share it. Yes. So, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yeah. None of this negative stuff on the thermometer. I don't even know what that means. but like, Yeah, I just, below something. Yeah. I just don't go, okay. Yeah. I don't. Uh, here's what's funny. I, <laughs> just recently, my wife's like, "Oh my gosh, let's put the sweater on the dog, right? Yeah. Because me. we have a we have just a little dog. Stop right there. Yeah, put the sweater <laughs> on, the dog. on the dog. She goes, it is forty three degrees outside, and the dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because and they was, don't have a coat. They, they don't have a coat. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, we just gave her a puppy cut. So oh. anyway, does this not all just sound like sickening? Anyway, this is exactly what California. we all came to talk about today. I know, <laughs> I know that. Bella. So okay, so 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 Gary and Cherise, I I am so interested to hear about hear a little more of your story and a little bit about what you do. Uh, so you you have your ministry, R three Ministries. Tell us a little bit about what R three does. Maybe we'll start with you, Cherise. What does R R three do? And then maybe Gary, you can tell us about kind of what led the two of you to want to start this ministry. So. Therese, go ahead. So R3 Ministries, kind of in a nutshell, is creating conversations and situations that we can help um, facilitate healing and restoration for uh, leaders, and not just leaders, but other people who in maybe in the church, um, Christians who have found themselves in a situation that they never planned on, never anticipated, and uh, they kind of gotten trapped by sin or situation. Mm-hmm. It really kind of derailed their life. Mm-hmm. So that's really what we want to come along and um, just help them uh, so they don't feel... Um, that they have to leave the church body Mm -hmm. so that they can, and walking them through some sort of process of, okay, I've done something or something has happened. Now, what do I do? Right. And I think because a lot of these situations that we find ourselves in, um, the the enemy really entraps people with so much shame that they can't even go get a conversation. They can't talk about a situation. And so because the shame is so entrapping, they they stay isolated and they remove themselves from the church body and the church family in Christ, the very place that they need to go to get healing. But then again, sometimes the church isn't always so great about bringing healing to those who've disappointed us. Yeah, man, that's... Boy, I've got about 18 follow-up questions for that. We're going to talk about that that in a minute. That's so, that's really good. Uh, Gary, would love to hear a little bit about uh, why. What led the what led the two of you to want to start this this particular ministry? Well, what what led to this was our personal failure. Uh, in 1989, I was actually uh, traveling as a youth evangelist all over the country. I was doing high school assemblies and then evangelistic meetings at night, uh, teaching at a Bible college in Minneapolis, and had at one time the largest youth major in the country for youth pastors. Um, so 
at that time, if you were going to be in ministry, I was probably at the at the highest level you could imagine, doing every youth conference, every youth retreat, pastor leadership, also going over, did the first Hillsong over in Australia. And so anybody that would look at me on that stage would never guess what was going on inside of me. That's the bigger issue. The stage becomes bigger than the person. Mm. And so in 1989, um, I was traveling, had never really had a any kind of failure at that point. Not perfect, but definitely not what I was into. And I was preaching at a church. And uh, I looked in the back of the church, and Sharice was standing there. And at that very moment, I never realized how empty I was until I saw her. And when I saw her, I said to myself, that's the woman I, I want. Unfortunately, I was married and had two small children. And so... I was in this this incredible moment where I was going, I don't care about anything or anybody. I just want her. I want that woman. And there was no logic to it. I was it was it was pure emptiness inside. And I never felt at that moment I had anybody that I could go to with the issue that I had because everything was at stake. If I was to actually follow through and tell anybody what would end up happening. And so in that isolation, I began to pursue the relationship and to keep it really short because it is a very long story. Um, Sharice and I ended up together for a one weekend. Um, and to let you know, we didn't have a moral, moral failure. We didn't make a mistake. It wasn't a speed bump. Sometimes you got to call it for what it is. We committed adultery. And when you call it for what it is, at that moment, God can begin to heal you. Because we tell people all the time that that the Lord can deal with your honesty. He cannot deal with your piety. You can't continue to make it look prettier than what it really is. Call it for what it is. God can deal with that. And so in 1989, we we committed adultery, and we've been on a 30-year rescue mission um, because the Lord restored our hearts and our lives over the years, and now we're at a place where we feel very strongly there's an epidemic of, of failure going on within the hearts of not just church leaders, but people that need a place. And uh, we feel like we're the safe place because, hey, man, you can't go any further than we did. I mean, right. we broke the heart of the Father, but we've been restored, and that's our message. Uh, just jumping over real quick. So, Sharice, you're in the, the back of the place, right? right? So you had your own walk with God or right. no? Yeah. Right. Right. I had uh, been a young woman church leader. I had gotten a state scholarship for, you know, exemplary Christian woman of the year. And uh, I was in pursuit of full-time ministry and I was working in ministry. And um, I had, I came from a broken home. I'm the, a first generation Christian came from a home of violence and abuse. And so um, while I had been saved for many years in leadership, there was still some residue in my life, some things um, unhealed. And uh, my youth pastor, who was really a, a, you know, uh, just a solid place for me, had moved away to Africa. And so I didn't really have my, um, my base any longer. And uh, at that time, you know, Gary came in and I really didn't, I, I, I did not um, anticipate it. I wasn't looking for it. I had been in um, a relationship for on and off for three years, but had also left me rather empty. So it kind of became that perfect storm of two people who love God more than anything, but having a lot of residue hurt inside of them and um, allowing a friendship to develop that should have never developed. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then, Lance, uh, coming over to you, you've obviously been in, in church leadership for a long time. And, right, and, right. and with that, have had to walk through a number of situations with other leaders, uh, both here and I'm, I'm sure other places, where you've had to walk through some pretty significant um I guess call it what it is, sort of failures or situations where people yeah, had to right. be removed from ministry. Talk a little bit about your experience with that. Yeah. So, I mean, if you add in the 21 years I've been here and then add in the four-year ministry before that, you know, we're going on, my math is bad, but I think that's 25, yeah. but 25 years of senior leadership. And in that time, I've had to walk through this a lot. Right. And I don't have anyone that I work with that I don't love. You understand what I'm so Aw, thanks, when we, man. Uh, Okay, that's not yeah, true. Yeah. There may be that one was exception. <laughs> right, yeah, that. Get a compliment where you okay. can get it, right? Totally. Good job, Pastor Brian. Thanks for jumping in there. Um, so for me, for me, all this is personal, right? Because right. it's not it's not just like, oh, well, I had to work with somebody at work. Right. I, I don't yeah. work with people that I don't love. I mean, I, I love these people. So these are my friends. These are mm-hmm. my family. Now, it happens to be that um, I, I've led two very high senior position leaders through moral failures and having to step out of the church and things like that. Um, those two happen to not just be, you know, friends of mine, but they happen to be very, very close right. friends of mine. Right. So they were they were heavily in my orbit. So right. that was very personal. Sure. Um, and, and then of course staff members, right? So I've had a number of those. You know, you do the the restoration covenant and you're trying to work with this and then this falls right. apart and then this person leaves. And and once again, you can't completely go into all of that for confidentiality reasons with the rest of the staff. And it, it's very, very messy. So I've actually, unfortunately, walked through this quite a bit. Yeah. So you've seen it. And and of course, I mean, anybody who's paying attention to the news or, or is sort of up on what's going on in, in church world, I mean, sadly, these, these sorts of situations are very common. I mean, right. high profile national leaders and certainly plenty having to do with inappropriate relationships and adultery and things of that nature. Uh, Abuses of power are common. I mean, heck, a guy who wrote a book, literally the title was Humility, got forced out of his organization because he was a jerk. Uh, You know, it's like (laughs) these sorts of things happen. And, And even, gosh, I remember I... This was in a teaching here at Bridgeway a while back. I made reference to oh, there's a high-profile situation going on where a, a, a pastor had to step down. And I was referring to one instance, and I actually got an email from someone in our congregation saying, oh, you must be referring to such and such thing, and she's telling me this right. whole situation, and she's saying how she used to be involved in the ministry and doesn't know what to do, and oh, I know, you know, I don't know how you, you knew about this, but you shared about it, and I'm going... Like I've never even heard of that situation. <laughs> right. Yeah, that wasn't and, it's, and it's and it's terrible. Right. Uh, so so all of that to say, for every for every one story that makes the news, unfortunately, there's a hundred that don't. And and I say unfortunately, just to say it's so prevalent. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's all it's all over the place. One thing I just want to add to that, and that is, you know, whether we're talking about the recent thing with Bill Hybels or we're talking about the um, Ted Haggard um, in Colorado. Yeah. See, I grew up in. The so my my early my years of ministry leadership were um, kind of late eighties early nineties right. Well, that was the era. The eighties was the era of scandal, right? right? So it was the Baker, it was mm-hmm. the Swagger, it was all that stuff. So because I was formative in those years, I thought that basically there was kind of a big whirlpool that all leaders were going to get sucked in because mm-hmm. it was kind of like they all blow up. Right. So I. Because some of that has stuck with me through my whole life, 
I'm so thankful every day that I am even still in ministry right. because I just assume everybody blows up at hmm. some point, especially if you're in it long enough. And um, and once again, I, I'm i praying that that is not the case with all leaders, right? And I'm praying that we can, some of this can bring in some health and things like that. Right. But I'm very, very clear. You give me one good day and I will lose everything that God has given me. So uh, there's no arrogance here. There's no pride here. It is a matter of, I'm literally paranoid going, <laughs> am I next? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I think that's a healthy paranoia. And in a sense yeah. that it keeps us cognitive and it keeps us aware. It keeps us alert to things that might kind of creep into our hearts, right? Because I think when you get um, lackadaisical, you kind of kind of just take things for granted, that's when the enemy really kind of starts to slip in. And it doesn't really matter if you're in the pulpit or you're in the pew, that the enemy can come in and he's very beguiling and he dis, um, he deceives us. And all yeah. of a sudden we align ourselves in situations that we should have never been with. Right. And so one of the things I make clear is that as much as of a friendship that Gary and I had, because it did start with just a friendship and that friendship really should have never even taken place. Sure. Mm-hmm. And boundaries, yes. even though nothing really happened per se, there was a, a bond that was created that I sh- neither one of us should have given ourselves permission to have that kind of friendship. Yep. And once that road happens, the enemy can take into another road. And I think we do that in many ways. But if you're on guard and you don't take it for granted, you start putting things into place, not out of legalism, but out of um, wisdom. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. No, that's really, uh, yeah. And there's a, there legalism and wisdom can sometimes look the same on the outside, right. but the motivation is entirely different. Totally. That you're not, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to be open and honest with my life out of some sense of, oh, I have to, or religious duty, but out of just the realize like, junk grows in the darkness and it shrinks in the light. So I want to live in the light because there's just wisdom in that. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, so just to even keep that in mind of the, the idea of, you know, what, like what you're saying, Lance, and I, and I love what you said. I had that phrase in my head right before you said it, the idea of like a healthy mm-hmm. paranoia to say kind of, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah, totally. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, these things that everybody else around me has done, that, that those aren't going to ever affect me. I, I I think there are a lot of people probably that maybe that you guys would interact with in, in the ministry you're doing who would be in that club that would say, oh, this is never going to happen to me, right? Well, yeah, I think I think that as we look at the subject that's going on, the word that I keep coming up with that in my own heart was intimacy and the lack of intimacy. And it's going to sound almost superficial, but it really isn't. When there's no intimacy with the Father, when there's not a daily intimacy, I'm not talking about quiet time, I'm not talking about just a devotional time, but when there's a longing to be just with Him and He's enough, not, not to get a sermon, not to, not to do anything but to long for Him, when there's a lack of intimacy with the Father, then intimacy begins to take on a really weird look other directions. And so much of what people go through is uh, this feeling of emptiness, but they don't know who to tell. They don't know who to go to. They might have even, quote unquote, confessed in the past and somebody took total, complete advantage of them. Hmm. And so what happens is we have people who have lack of intimacy with the father. That begins to become lack of intimacy with their wife or with their husband, maybe maybe with other people where there's a real relationship. They become isolated they become insulated, but they're still leading worship on Sunday morning. Right, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary part, is that we don't see the hidden place. And what's interesting, that we're supposed to be, uh, there's a hidden place in us for the Father, 
it's an intimacy. There's a secret place for the Father. The secret place now has become a place where we breed sin, um, all kinds of perversions. In the place that was supposed to be for the Father now has become for so many other things. So we, we've got to be able to get transparent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And someplace, transparency has got to take a higher priority somewhere where people can actually feel they can be. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, so you talk about uh, intimacy with the Father, mm-hmm. obviously, is critical. And the idea of sort of integrity and openness in the way that you live your life uh, also important. What are some other, when we talk about why do these sorts of moral failures happen? And, and to be clear, I mean, I think we've talked about uh, failures in relationships and everything else, but a moral failure can be financial. It can be some sort of business dealing. It can be just that you're really mean and nasty, or you're projecting one personality out in public, but then you're a jerk behind closed door. These sorts of we want to be clear that this can span oh, right. the gamut. Of, I mean, if you, you know, take your pick. If you think it, you can yeah. probably cause some sort of moral failure in some area of life. So, but you've given us kind of two ways that these sorts of failures tend, or reasons these fa- failures tend to happen. Um, what are some other reasons these kinds of leadership failures happen? Lance, why don't we start with you and then Sharice and, and Gary, you guys can maybe add add to the list further. Yeah, I think that the, the first thing I want to say is that when, when you see a public leader go down, um, there's an automatic assumption that they were all living a lie and that they were bad guys. They were trying to do the smoke screen. I'm a hypocrite. I don't really believe Mm -hmm. all that stuff. I'm just doing it for money. That is, that is, I mean, man, it's like, to me, it feels like, like 95 to 99% are not that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's that they're regular people, right. and that there is there's a lack of health under there, and there's a missing void of the father. And I mean, you know what I'm saying. And so, totally, I, I, this is just real people. Yes. So, a couple things that I was in in preparation for this, just kind of jotting down. Right. So, um, is it, this idea how can someone be so fired up for the Lord and yet um, really struggle so much internally? Now, I, now I can tell you this from personal experience, right? Because I'm uh, pretty public. Right, pretty right. pretty well known. So, um, <laughs> this whole idea, very uh, humble about it. Though. Yes. Yeah, no, not that yeah. way. It's yeah. funny. It's we funny. All, I was thinking the same thing. I know. Thing. We I all four know you. Guy. Wow. Congratulations, uh, Lance. Wow. Uh, okay. So my mom knows who I am. My wife knows who I am. Anyway, but my point is, I know very well this idea that someone would see one thing and that I'm this regular guy, right? And that I'm going, oh. Every day I can see where this can fall apart. So the things that I was thinking about was the internal external schism, right? Right. That you have, there is a very difference between what people observe and what's going on on the inside, right? So that's always happening. Um, Even to your own reality that you have to have a public persona, not in a negative way, I'm I love the idea of transparency. That's one of our yeah. core values here at this church. So yeah. I talk about the fact I have panic disorder from the stage and all these things. Like I'm super open about everything that, right. that's a weakness mm-hmm. if it's appropriate. So sometimes it's not appropriate True. in a public setting. So what happens is you have a difference no matter what context you're in. You can share different things. There's certain things I'll share with my wife only. There's certain things I will share with buddies. There's certain things I'll share with the congregation. There's certain things I'll share with the public. Not everybody can handle everything or has the context for it. So you're still living a different type of life. So for example, if you're at work, you kind of have this suit and tie on. Maybe if you're in the corporate world and you're trying to work according to what the atmosphere is there. When you come home, you're not that same person. Right. 
So you always have those. The problem with it is when you start having some severe compartmentalization, right? right? I am this here. I am not that here. I am a Christian here. I'm not a Christian here. I am a, a loving man here. I'm a mean man online. I'm the, you know what I'm saying? Like these types of things. Um, and then you're dealing with broken people. Okay, so no matter what leader they are, I mean, we can talk about Saul and David and all these mm-hmm. kings. They're real guys. We're, right. You know, we're tracking through a series of in the book of Kings in church, and we're just talking about how complicated they all are. Yep. And these are real people, right? right? You want to put them up, you know, and try to think of them in a different way. They're just people. But the number one thing that we were kind of chatting about before we got on air was this idea of holiness fatigue. And this is... For a Christian leader, now understand, there are moral failings. I mean, the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. Mm. Right. Right? I mean, that's not in the Christian context. Right. That is a that is a moral failure in the eyes of the public secular world, which is a trip, right? Right. Because yeah. the, the, they, they have a lot of movement when it comes to morality. Right. But he crossed some line. Big time. And they went, you're out. Like, you're, we're not allowing you to do what you do anymore. Okay, so it's not just a Christian thing, but in a Christian context, that for a, a, a public leader, there's no breaks. No. So like everyone else, if you're going through your life and you, you work at you know Google or Amazon or whatever, and you go through a time when you're doubting your faith and you're struggling and everything, you just kind of go through that. For a public Christian leader, there's no break. You don't just go, I'm out for a little while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is no, and, and a human being has to go through those undulations, those ups and downs. There's nowhere to do that. Right. Yeah. You have to go internal and deal with your stuff internally because you can't just, it's unrealistic to assume yeah. that, that you're never going to have these. So when you get exhausted from being on, exhausted from doing everything right, exhausted, I call that uh, obviously. Holiness fatigue. Holiness fatigue. There it is. Uh, what else? What else have have the two of you seen in, in leaders you've you've worked with? Well, I just want to jump on or, that real quick. If yeah, that's okay. Please. So one of the things that I think though is that you know when we talk about Harvey Weinstein, yeah, the the world even kind of shudders, right? But I think what's happened is it, the conversation we now those things have been going on for as a woman, right? Those things have been going on forever, right? I, you know, yeah, I, I, I can recount some of my experiences as a young woman, things that, but you, we didn't have a context to be safe to talk about it. So now really talking about like the fact that you're open, like if you go from the pulpit and you say, you know, anxiety disorder the, or anxiety issues, it's the willingness to be honest and the willingness to put our stuff out there and be honest and say, Jesus, the Lord loves me as I am where I am. Yeah. But I think in past situations, that conversation has not been safe. So yeah. we do create this persona because that's what's expected of us. And if we don't live up to that persona, there'll be very... Um, intense ramifications, right? And if yeah. you're a public minister, you know, your world, it's its our friendships, it's our employment, it's our identity, it's everything. And so we're just trying, again, trying to create a conversation where these things can come forth and be, you can be loved on, right? And so mm-hmm. I tell people that when they're going through their stuff, when I have a woman or a, a Christian woman tell me that she has a prescription addiction or that she had an abortion earlier in life, that I can hold the bucket while she vomits. Yep, right? that's it. Yeah, and that's I think in the past, we get really offended with people with their stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so when we're so offended, right, then people are not going to even... And that's why one reason I 
Gary and I are really clear about not saying that we had a moral failure. Not that I really walk around on like, I, you know, like Laverne and Shirley with the big L. Like I walk around with my A, you know, like the scarlet, like, hey, this is my letter A. It's that I want to take away, to shame it. I want to take the enemy's power away from that because mm-hmm. that was a moment in my life, but it's not the identity of my life. Right. Yeah. And I think for many of us, we get caught up in that. And, and, but the, the world and our friends and other people don't let us, No. but we have to walk in who Christ is in our healing. Yeah. And that so, shame spiral. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. Yeah. And we hold on to that and the world holds and our friends in our circle. So but. It's pretty crazy, too, this whole idea of restoration, because it's been going on forever. You know, sometimes you have a restoration program. It's a two-year program, mm-hmm. or it's a one-year program, or it's this or that. And it's this broad brush of restoration, and that's not what it's about. Restoration is about restoring your relationship right. back to the Lord. And yet the carrot, I hate to say it many times, is that we're going to restore you back to the ministry. To your right. job. And, and mm-hmm. th- that's ridiculous. You're going to be restored back to maybe the very thing that caused it in the first place? Because ministry simply means to meet a need. That's what the word ministry means. The problem is we're meeting the bride's need, but we're not meeting the bridegroom's need. Yeah, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not exalting the Lord in that private time in our life. And I know that because there's a lot of secrets that go on inside of us while our hands are raised to heaven in worship. Our, we've got all this dialogue going on. And so one of the things that Sharice and I explain to people is we're not talking about cheap grace here, Lance. We're not talking about a slap on the wrist and you're back in the ministry. Right. Hallelujah. That's not what this is about. This is about going back and restoring the real heart that you broke, which was the Father's heart. Yeah. I've spent, we've spent 30 years. I've, I never went back necessarily restored back into the ministry. I've been in a, I've been a corporate speaker now for many, many years. Yes. Do I have opportunities to minister? Absolutely. But I never said, Lord, let me go back full time into the ministry because that's what this is all about. It's being restored back to the heart of the Father. And once you realize that, you become a restorer because the only people we don't minister to are the people that we have difficulty with. See, anybody can be restored as long as it's not personal. Right. As long as you didn't offend me, we're all good, man. You can be restored. But if what you did offends me, right. then there's some hoops you're going to have to jump before I really believe you're restored. Yeah, hmm. so true. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. It's fine. I mean, it's it's uh, sort of like the idea, like we're all we're all totally pro-forgiveness in theory. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but actually forgiving someone is a drag. Drag. You know? yeah. Uh, you know, exactly. I, I am very pro generosity in theory, <laughs> but oh wait, that means I have to give. Oh, oh what, now, what, now wait a second. Yeah, you know? it's uh, true. And and and, and it, all the things you're talking about really do make it very personal. The idea of okay, uh, I need to learn forgiveness, or, or we're right. all very pro confession for other people. <laughs> for everybody right? Else, like, right. I'm willing to show you some grace. Just uh, you know, right. don't make me say anything exactly. that's going to require Absolutely. me to need some grace from you, right? But, but I think it's interesting in listening to all, all of your comments as we look at both the Christian world and the secular world, there's just not a lot of language for restoration. Right. Uh, there's either we, we want to brush over circumstances as if they're mm. not happen or if they, as if they didn't happen or maybe maybe the perpetrator was someone who was powerful and was able to pull right. strings or whatever the case may be or we want to go like completely the other direction towards complete shaming shunning totally. punish <laughs> whatever yeah. uh, so that this person is now blacklisted from doing anything totally. positive right. 
ever in their lives. There it is. Yep. And and we don't. And it it it, it speaks to I think the the power and sort of the genius behind uh, God's call to forgive and, and mm. God's call to seek grace and restoration to see that that. That's just something that goes beyond where a lot of conversations yeah. I feel like in society and in, in the church go right now. Absolutely. But it's, but it's a critically important part of all of this, isn't it? Absolutely. We're yeah. actually creating a, a place. Yeah. Yes. Therese calls it the, a destination location. And uh, it, we're in the process of this happening right now. Well, yeah, in, in Morrill Bay, California, we're trying to create a location, a uh, restoration destination. Oh, sorry, honey. Yeah, get it right, please. <laughs> oh, if, you're, if you're going to refer <gasps> to me and quote me. But, uh, <laughs> is that, I submit, woman. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I was trying to create a location for that restoration so that there's a space that those people can get their healing and get get that quiet space and let them hear the voice of God again and maybe hold their hand, the, their spouse's hand for the first time in a long time so they can hold the hand of the Father. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think what you were just saying, and I think what you were referring to, Brian, is that I call that either we call we have a tendency as humans to either sanitize sin or drama, dramatize sin. Yeah, totally. Right? So when we do is we sanitize it. And that's why I'm really clear about not calling things a moral failure. If it's embezzled, you embezzled, right? If you mm. you, you did this, then you did, just call it for what it is, right? right? So we can we can move forward in mm-hmm. honesty. But so either we tend to sanitize it or we dramatize it. Dramatize I like how I can speak well. Um, so... <laughs> Because what we do is like, oh, well, you know, I, I someone who maybe had smoked marijuana or pot, whatever, but all of a sudden they become this heroin addict and they had to go into rehab. Right. Like their story becomes this dramatic. I don't think the Lord needs our help right. <laughs> in, incre- in creating a testimony. No. And yeah. so we tend to have the, that, and it's two weeks in Malibu, or you are now <laughs> banished for all of life. Yeah, yeah and totally. And so it's finding that because... The reality is restoration is messy yeah. and it's very, um, it's not predictable and it's not a pat, it's not a set um, recipe for every single person. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very individual. Yeah. It's not sequential either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And have to be willing to kind of acknowledge the fact that, uh, yeah, it's not a, well, not to belabor the point, but it's not a, Hey, here's an eight, eight week curriculum and exactly. Bing, you're restored and you're never going to have it. You know, whatever, yeah. whatever challenge you faced is never going <laughs> to, you know, come back and create challenges for you in the future or yeah, it's just, that's just totally, totally unrealistic. And I think in our desire to sanitize things and in mm-hmm. our discomfort with working a process that right. can be messy, m- maybe we tend to try to make things a little neater than they mm-hmm. <laughs> they tend to be. Yeah. Now, I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about, and I'd love to hear from, from all three of you about this, is those of us who are in any form of leadership, which I feel like I'm constantly reminding folks, like all of us lead yeah, somewhere. Everybody's right. a like, leader. Whether exactly. it, you don't need to, you know, be on TV or be on the radio or be in, you know, elected office to be a leader. Uh, maybe you're leading your home. Maybe mm-hmm. you're leading, anyway, I'm not going to give a bunch of examples, but there are many out there. What can we do as leaders to help avoid these types of situations in the first place? Because I think that's another conversation that maybe doesn't get the intent, the attention it deserves, or it's a conversation where we tend to give very kind of, I don't know, answers that sound nice, but aren't really that helpful. So Lance, let's start with you and we can kind of go around the circle here. What can we as leaders do to help kind of prevent these sorts of situations that we're talking about. Yeah, and I think in, in a little bit, we're going to get to kind of what you as a listeners, if you don't say, well, I'm not a key leader or whatever, what 
it still involves you. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk right. a little bit more about what how we can all prepare our hearts. But this is specific to leaders. What can leaders do? Um, I think the first thing is we got to get over ourselves. Mm. And and what I mean by that is that just because you're a leader, don't buy your own press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're still just a dude. You're right. still just a lady. Let's be honest about that. And so if we're going to be talking about uh, what does integrity and wholeness mean, are we all the way through, and that's all it means, is just means wholeness throughout. Are we all the way through as mature as we think we are? The, the reality is no. <laughs> um, we, we have certain areas in compartments that we have led forward, and we, some days we look only at those, and we go, man, I'm really mature. And then some days on our bad days, we look at the categories that we're way behind on, and we go, I'm nothing. Right. Well, instead of playing that game, you got to kind of say integrity means if we didn't have any walls of compartments, who are we? Mm-hmm. And I think that we're far less along the route that we think we are. And as leaders, that's very hard to yeah. come face to face with um, because there's an expectation that if you are less than what you think you are or portray, then you can't be a leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, we got to have a sober judgment, yeah, right? Let, let's take a look at who we are. Um, the The other thing that I'll that I'll kind of highlight is, um, man, we have to we have to have community. Mm-hmm. We have to have other leaders we can talk to. Usually, yeah. they have to be outside of your own organization. Right. It, right. It's very helpful because there's there's massive ramifications. You can walk into a non-safe conversation. You can say something and it could be used against you, stuff like that. Um, although I love it to be in mm-hmm. our own communities and everything, sometimes as a leader, depending on what group you run with, it may need to be another church leader. It may need to be right. another ministry leader. Yeah. Uh, but we definitely need each other because I do think that the number one, um, number one pain point is isolation. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's something I think that a lot of people don't don't recognize. I want you to say more about that because I think my sense is there is a perception that you look at uh, public leaders. We'll take someone like you, for example, who you're a senior pastor of a large church. Lots of people know who you are. Right. People tend to look at well-known leaders and think oh, he must have tons of friends and he must have all these people that he's always in conversation with all the time. And, right. and you know, you take that a step a step further and you look at, you know, national or global leaders. And I think everybody tends to think, oh, these are all oh, yeah. people that just got people around them all the time and all these relationships and connections when in reality, right. that's often not true. No, it, it's not true either on the outside or the inside. The outside is that when I talked about... Um, Holiness fatigue, that really was kind of a playoff of compassion fatigue. And compassion fatigue is the idea that as I can only cry so much. Like, I'm, I'm we'll just work with a broken thing. You know, it's this idea that you see on TV, these children have distended right. stomachs and they're starving. And then you click the channel. Like, you just move on. That's called compassion fatigue. You've right. seen it. You, you don't know how to engage with right. it all over again and get that engine running again. Well, leaders are dealing with problems so fast that they're exhausted, and so people represent more challenges. Right. So they pull back from them externally. They start going, listen, I can't be around the extra grace required person at church. I can't be around the little joy sucker that's following me. I can't be around people that are going to come up and they're going to challenge me again. They're going to challenge me again. So you physically pull back. I am on paper, and by design of God, I'm an extrovert. I'm super extrovert. I, I, I recharge with people. Right. Until about the last six years. 
six, seven years, I've completely turned into an introvert. I go home and I just want to be by myself. I don't want to hang with it. I'm too beat up and wiped out from some things that have happened in the past couple of years. And as much as I love people, they still represent a possibility of more problems. And I don't have any more space. Right. And so I keep withdrawing. Well, internally... That's even more the case for a lot of people, which is, once again, going secret, going secret, isolating out, walling off, not creating deeper relationships. All of that is true. Yeah. How about you guys? What, what else? What, what other uh, advice, recommendation, or even what have you seen in those who have been able to, to kind of maintain health or have experienced restoration and then maintained health just to, again, to avoid the sorts of, of wide ranging issues and challenges that we're, we're talking about? Well, I think... Everything is biblical. There's a biblical example for everything. And what we try to do, Sharice and I try to do, is really stay as biblically centered as possible in everything. I think there's two big things that go on here. Number one, I think that we get more caught up in our gifts, talents, and abilities than we do in the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Now, I know that just sounds silly, yeah, la, 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 la. But really, the fruit of the Spirit is character. That's what character really is. The gifts, talents, and abilities, you know what? Anybody can flow in gifts, talents, and abilities, whether your life is on track or not. It's not Samson. The, what's that? Samson. Yeah, yes. Example. So it's an out, but that's all public. Gifts, talents, and abilities is what the public sees. Yep. Satan wants to increase many times our reputation, but by at the same time destroy our character. Because if our character is destroyed, no matter what kind of reputation, after a while, character is going to be revealed. Yeah. What we even Jesus got away. Even he walked away from the crowds. I tell people all the time: if you can't walk away from the stage, from the crowd, if you can't walk away from your giftedness, something's wrong. It yeah. could be addiction. Yeah. Maybe you're addicted to your giftedness. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. you got to be willing to what? Walk away. Get away. And we tell people: you got to vacate. You vacation mm-hmm. means to what? Vacate. <laughs> People take a vacation, but they take everything with them on their vacation. So yeah. there's no vacate. Recreation <laughs> means to what? Recreate. Yeah. And so what happens is the two things that many times leaders quote unquote, people need the most, they simply are not doing. And the second thing is, be careful who you're with. Mm. Be yeah. careful who you're hanging with, man. Yeah. You Look around, find out the conversation. If everybody's coming to you about others, maybe it's because you're going to others about others, you know? <laughs> you, and, and Lance, I totally relate to where you are right now because I, I come across many times as this extrovert. And my wife says this all the time. She goes, you're really good in front of people. Sometimes you're not real good with them. That's a huge thing. Yeah, and that's different. Because put me on stage, I'm a rock star because I'm in control. Hmm. But doing networking afterwards, (laughs) nah, I'm not that good. So we need to to get out of that that isolation. We're not, not with everybody. But we sure. need to find those key individuals that we can connect with. Yeah. Sharice, how about you? What would you add I to think that? I just want to kind of um, jump on what Lance said. I think he being really sober-minded and about who we really are, right? Yeah. And not just how people perceive us. And I don't, we have to be really careful about not buying the press, you know, buying our own press that, oh, everybody says this about you. And all of a sudden, then now you have this expectation that you're trying to live up to. And the reality is that nobody can. Nobody can live up to the expectations of the crowd. Yep. So really keeping very sober minded and being really intentional of fighting that. And I think I, I always kind of go back um, to when uh, Moses was going up, he was up on the hill or hill, but, you know, and they got tired of waiting. And they're like, you know what? We're going to create our own golden calf. 
half, right? None of us, God, none of us were created to create, to receive worship. And so that idol worship, when we we start receiving people's praise and it, it, changes us. Yeah. And so we have to be really cognitive of saying, you know, hey, that's really not I'm not I'm not as great as you think I am, yeah. right? And so that's the one thing. And I think the other thing is being really um intentional about being in healthy relationships. Being around with people that don't expect you to be perfect mm, and yeah. that when you are not perfect, they're going to call you out on it. Yeah. And I I'm really fortunate that I have some great girlfriends that at times when I have maybe not been as kind or I did something that was not authentic, that they would call me out on that. And and I'm glad I have that that they can see me for who I am versus mm-hmm. what the persona might be somewhere else. Yeah. So I think those are key things, as a, not as leaders, but just as a Christian, right. trying to walk honestly. Yeah, this that's, gonna, that's I, really I good. Just, Please, I just, yeah. I have to inject yeah. this one thing. Please do. Our home has been a haven for pastors over the years to come and just be at our house, right? And I tell people all the time, the greatest compliment that you could pay Sharice and I as a pastor when you come <laughs> to my house is that you fall asleep on my couch. Hmm. That's cool. That I, it's yeah. so funny. Let I say try, that all my life. Yeah. yeah. Let me try my that kids again. Say that. Yeah. The, the greatest compliment yep. that you can pay is that you would fall Peanut. asleep yep. on my couch. Comfort. We we need a place where pastors can sleep. You know, this is going to sound weird. Most pastors need sleep. <laughs> yeah. They could just <laughs> sleep. The problem yeah. is they don't know how to go there. They don't know how to take it. We're yeah. trying to create a situation where you can come for five days. Yeah. And maybe you're just going to sleep. That's all you need. So I think there's a tiredness because Satan's Satan's lies Mm -hmm. seem real when you're tired. Tired is not a good, good thing, man. Yeah. So anyway, I wanted to throw that Not not a recipe for great decision If you guys ever want to come over, (laughs) we got a couch for you. Good good to know. I will pay you a compliment (laughs) uh, by falling asleep on on your couch. I think another another thing that I'd like to add into this kind of how do we help prevent some situations that we're ultimately going to regret or that are ultimately going to create some of the chaos we've been talking about. This is, this is, I use this line with people all the time in one-on-one conversations and it is absolutely a guiding principle for, for me in my own life is, is just keeping this question in front of you a lot, which is what do you want your life to be about? Mm -hmm. And do I want it to be about connection with the Lord? Yes, I do. What do I want? I want my life to be about my wife and kids know me and trust me. Right. I want my life to be about, uh, I've got some people around me who mean a lot to me and I'm investing in those relationships. And the thing is, I think that so many of us get sidetracked. And, and I said earlier for every one public Mm -hmm. situation, there's a hundred that go under the radar. And I would say for even every one of those, there's all of us who are making sort of just, if I can just be blunt about it, we make dumb situations, dumb decisions and make dumb compromises that might not be enough to take us out of ministry or get us fired, but they alter the trajectory of our lives. Right. Right. So, so to keep that, and I think there's so much temptation out there to go after oh. things that aren't going to satisfy. So, so like for example, I have to remind myself if I find myself feeling like I want more, is just to remind myself of the simple reality that there are tons of studies that show that more money doesn't really make you any happier. Like, oh, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> or if I think, man, I want more people to notice me, which I'm not against social media. I post things on Instagram. I think that's all fun and whatever. But like. Like how much, like if that's really the driving force of my life, how much attention do I need before it's enough? Right. Right. How many, how many people need to come up to me and tell me they think I'm great before, before it's enough. And like, you just kind of realize there's no answer to those questions. So that doesn't mean that enjoying 
praise of the crowd is a bad thing. That doesn't mean that, uh, you know, if you have money or opportunities to make more, that that's necessarily a bad thing. But at the end of the day, to recognize, okay, what's going to be the driving force of my life and what do I want my life to be about? I want it to be, you know, and even making work-life decisions. I, you know, and Lance and I've talked about this and others have talked like, I'm just not going to be the guy whose kids say, man, dad was always at church and was never with us. Like, Whatever you get from being the dad who's always at church and never with his kids, right. you can have it because I don't want it. Yeah. You know, right. like now I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my thing, but that's a that's a balance that I'm going to walk. And if that holds me back from being some best-selling big shot guy with a million Instagram followers and on the conference circuit, okay. And to be clear, I think lack of ability is the biggest thing holding me back from those <laughs> things. So I'm not saying yeah. that I, oh, I could go get it if I wanted it. Yeah. Part of it's personality. But, oh, oh. <laughs> You know, I was going to, I was going to not mention that part, but, uh, anyway, (laughs) my point is asking the question, what do you want your life to be about? And keeping that question in front of you. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I just want to springboard off that is that if you would have asked me back in 1989, when the decision between Gary and I happened, Mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted my life to be about. Mm. I was sold out to Jesus. Yeah. I, I had committed all of my life, every moment, everything, but it didn't change the fact that there were some moments and there were some areas in my life that were not healed well. Mm. And I didn't have, the environment wasn't safe for me to go get that healing. Yeah. And so, no, you know, good. when Paul talks about the things I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing. I think that's the, that dichotomy is what so many of us internally struggle with. Mm-hmm. And But if we can create the conversations, if we can create the culture mm-hmm. in our churches, in the platform. And I, mm-hmm. I just want to compliment you again, Lance, about the fact that you had mentioned from the platform that you have anxiety. All of a sudden, you are like me. You are human. Your your yep. frailties, your struggles, and um, it doesn't mean we tell everybody everything. There right. has to be wisdom. But I think when we start to open back and peel back that curtain, right, that the that the people around us start to go, oh my gosh, you are like me, and we mm-hmm. create a situation that becomes safer for us to get the healing that God has always intended. But um, our fears, which we know the enemy is the the author of fear, keeps us from. Yeah. So I understand yeah. what you're saying, but I I had that, yeah. and yet I still made a wrong choice. And I think that's an important point to say that uh, maybe that's part of it, but it's not the whole thing. That you're right. You got to have space to process. And where do you go when you find yourself in that? I do, you know, like Paul said in Romans seven, like you you got to right. have some place to go. Right. And and I think to something I, I I forget if this was off air or at the beginning of the episode, but you but you talked about the idea that in the church there's just often not a lot of places you go with that conversation. And then right. as we've said throughout the episode isolation is at the core of a lot of this. And that's where kind of the enemy gets at, gets after us. I want to say this. It was a a really sad moment in my life when, when uh, Gary and I did have the affair, we owned it immediately, not to make us anything great. Right. But at the time, um, Gary was a renowned uh, preacher, Mm -hmm. speaker, um, evangelist. And we had several people contact him and say, we're going to get you a place of help. We're going to, we're going to get you the help you need. And ironically, Gary had said, well, that's great. I need help. I need to get restored. But the girl that I've you know, gotten involved with, she needs to be restored as well. She doesn't need to go to the same city. Don't even put her in the same state. Mm-hmm. But we need to get her help as well. And over and over again, this is a sad thing. They said, we will help you, but we will not help the girl. Hmm. And, and at that moment, the, the church... Yeah. They wanted to scandalize the girl, the woman, right? And I'm not yeah. on the woman's issue thing. I'm just saying that we we need to look at the totality of how 
we're willing to help people yep. and not, you know, uh, shame them Absolutely. and bring them because at that moment, well, you're on your own, kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, and that's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're 100% right that that has to be, uh, we have to look at the approach that's taken to everybody involved and, right. and not just one or the mm-hmm. other or anyway, there's a, a whole a whole yeah, realm of, of care yeah. that needs to, needs to happen there. Now, uh, Lance, I want to move on to a different, uh, kind of another related subject is uh, people, you, you know tons of stories, we were talking about this earlier this morning, of of different people who have been so affected by a leader's fall or a leader's failure in a way that is really, in some cases, devastated or really negatively impacted, even just their their walk with the Lord. How do we as how do we protect ourselves from being impacted in that way if leaders we know and trust fail? What what do we do with that? I kind of sum it up in in that question, right? Can a leader's fall hijack your Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and why is that? And, and what he was referring to is all, all my ministry, I've had people come up and go, you know what? I used to be on fire for the Lord as a 17-year-old, then my youth leader had a moral failure, and I've never been back to church since. Right? Uh, they bailed on me. They failed on me. My pastor did this. The church collapsed. I'm no longer a Christian. Why in the world is some human's interaction— right? deciding whether or not you walk with Jesus. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like something's seriously wrong here. So here's a here's a couple pieces I, I wrote down. Um, first of all, we have a pedestal problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it, we are putting people up as if they are superheroes. Right. They are not superheroes. Um, we It is nice to have role models. It is nice to have people that you look at and go, man, I'd love to do a more of that. Or that's awesome. Or they're super, you know, we're allowed to go, Michael Jordan is legit. LeBron James is amazing in basketball. But when you start saying they are a bit of a god, right? You go, whoa, whoa, whoa! You completely went out, right? Well, we do the same thing with leaders. It's right. like, oh, you know, even in scripture, they were talking about that. He said, some of you say, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow, and then some of you are like, no, I follow Christ, and you're being all fancy. Man, what are we talking about? We're just men. Stop with all that, right? right? So the pedestal thing is the first part. The second one is unrealistic expectations. Mm. Seeing leaders as human beings that need to go through human being stuff right? and not having unrealistic expectation that just because God called them into the ministry, he somehow made them a superhero. That That is incorrect. Um, I think the third thing was, uh, and this is very important to me, are, is a leader your source of truth? One of the big problems that we have is that uh, we think that studying the Bible and everything else is so difficult, we wait for it to be shared or regurgitated through another leader, which is usually a pastor. When you're only hearing the Bible through the pastor, they become as the source of your truth. Right. When they mm-hmm. fail, you go, everything failed. Hmm. Stop. And, and I just wrote this down as I was prepping, and I just said, failure to operate in a truth does not change the truth. Mm. So, for example, if I have a moral failure, everything I have done and led and said is still legit. The fact right. that I did not adhere to it or take my own advice, that I did not listen to the Holy Spirit, that I did not walk with Jesus, does not negate right. the, the, the 25 years of ministry that I just led. That is all still legit. Mm-hmm. You can't just go, oh, well, since they screwed up, Right. All that they've done. And then they go, it washes away everything I've learned. I don't have any role <laughs> models. Everything. Yeah. You had made them something that they should not be. Exactly. If that is if that is the case. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, those are my thoughts there, Brian. Yeah. No, no, that's good. And uh, the pedestal problem, obviously, is a is, is a big one. And I think just the recognition that leaders are 
human beings <laughs> is an important one. And I, and I, I talk about this in, in a class we do at Bridgeway. It's just sort of a, a side point is it's, you know, something we will process with people. Uh, we like to take our baptism class as an opportunity to just go through some kind of basic stuff in terms of how do you grow in the Lord and things like that. And I always tell people like, be careful not to put your faith in situations or people mm. that sometimes your life might be great. Other times it might be lousy. Uh, the truth of who God is and his presence in your life, like he's still there. And in the same way, people are going to hurt you, maybe in small ways, maybe in big ways. I tell people like, listen, you hang around me enough. I'm going to disappoint you. But at the end of the day, your faith is not in me. Your faith is not in a leader. Our faith is in, is in Christ. And I'm real honest with people. I say, listen, if my, if I, if I was a Christian because of, Hey, I feel like every Christian in the world represents themselves in a way that like I feel like is appropriate all the time. Like I would have bailed a long time ago. Right. Right. right? But our faith isn't in isn't in people. Yeah. Right. You know, Gary, go ahead. I think some people are in an exit mode. Hmm. And I think some people are in an entrance mode. And I think when a person's in an exit mode, sometimes in at the church and going to church, they're looking for a reason to leave. They're mm. always looking for a reason to stay. It's interesting when I'm speaking in front of a corporate audience. Uh, non-Christian, business, there's this feel that people are waiting for me to say something right. Maybe it's because they paid the fee to be there (laughs) or the company paid the fee to be there, right? Sometimes when I'm speaking in a church, I get the feeling people are waiting for me to say something wrong, especially if I'm a guest. Hmm. There's not an atmosphere of, well, I can't wait to hear the right thing. They're waiting for that especially as we get older, quote-unquote, older in the Lord, we almost become somewhat more cynical about a lot of the things we say we believe in. And critical. And yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. <laughs> and what what has to happen is the reason that people walk out, and many people use the front door of a church as their last exit. Yeah, They go out, and they never come back. Sharice and I, we're talking about a whole group now that are called displaced, or mm-hmm. there was a— De-churched. De-churched. Yeah. They're the de-churched, where they love the Lord, quote-unquote. They've worked in every area of ministry in the church— but they got to a point where they don't feel needed anymore. So they started live streaming, and then they don't do that anymore. And yeah. they don't even come to church. Yeah. We're after those. We're after rescuing those as well. Yeah, but I good. think that when you – the reason we exalt people in our lives because we don't exalt him in our life. Hmm. When, we, when we don't have that time, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I think we're so about the screen, the screen – that we're not looking eye to eye anymore. Hmm. I remember day back when there were no cell phones. You know, there was no, it wasn't there were no screens. It was it was this. Yeah. It was looking to the eye of the person you speak to. We not only don't look at each other anymore, we certainly don't look into him anymore. Hmm. And so it's the latest podcast. Not that podcasts are bad. Hello. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But we've got to get this intimacy with the Father. we got to learn what yeah. that is. We rely on media. We rely on our perception of people or whatever. These things aren't bad things, but they cannot bear the exactly. weight of our ultimate exactly. faith and trust, Which, right? Ironically, the whole era of Facebook actually uh, fosters less intimacy and less true authentic relationship. So yeah. it's I- I- ironic that you look like you know more people, but you yep. really know less. <laughs> I'd right. like to have all of my Facebook friends over my house just once. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, no, at the exact same time. At, at the, the exact, exact same time. 
Good luck with that. I I did want to add one thing. Honor isn't idolatry. Right. Um, So, for example, I think that um, uh, there needs to be more honor for Christian leaders. Yes. Um, We believe here at um, Bridgeway, and it was largely championed by some of our other leaders, yep. uh, Pastor Parnell, Bishop Parnell Lovelace, yep. um, mm-hmm. and uh, Pastor Brian Hopper, guys like that, that are high honor. They come in right. and they Absolutely. create a culture of honor. And I believe that when I go, when I become Pastor Lance, I'm putting on a mantle of yes. a role of a role and an office that the Holy Spirit is in charge of. Yes. When yep. you put that on, there needs to be a respect and an honor. Yes. Yes. But that's not me. The respect and honor is going in and saying, no, I do appreciate your hard work. That, I think, is just kindness yeah. Yeah. Sure. back and forth of going, man, I love that as a role model. That guy really kills himself for Jesus. Right. That's awesome. But we got to separate it out from that mantle, that anointing, that that mm-hmm. office that we're putting ourselves into. That does require yes. honor. Right. Yeah. We need to have higher honor because we're really losing that a lot in the church. Honor isn't idolatry. Yeah. Right. It's when you start making them something more than they are yeah. in your own heart. Yeah. Right. I, I no. love that. Good. Honor good is not idolatry. Yeah. Yeah. Honor, uh, yes. And I think a lot of the reason why we maybe don't lean into honor as much as we could is because we have failed to separate out those two things. Yes. But I think that's a great way to look at it, that there is a difference between honoring a person, honoring an office, and then making an idol out of them where they're all of a right. sudden our, our functional savior, which is exactly. obviously yeah. not good. So as we begin to wrap this up, uh, what do we do then with those who have fallen? We said a moment ago that or a while ago that uh, we just don't have language for restoration much in right. our culture today. Uh, we we sort of have this weird, like, I don't know, we get really excited about talking about failures of other people, <laughs> which is really bizarre. Uh, or, uh, or we, you know, we just don't talk about it at all. So, so what do we do? What are some practical ways that we can uh, yeah. engage with and help those who have walked through some sort of uh, situation? And I, and I love what you said. It took me a minute to get it. I love how you don't like the phrase moral failure, because if I'm understanding you correctly, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's, it's kind of a junk drawer term like it's very vague as opposed to let's talk about sanitizing. what actually right. happened yeah. well right. I think when you sanitize it right it becomes it's, I remember I um, I had an aunt, a beautiful wonderful aunt um, who uh, who died of a certain cancer mm-hmm. but back when she you know obtained it it was so shameful that she had that kind of cancer she wouldn't even go get her her healing mm. right and so now that kind of cancer is talked about openly yeah. and she would have gone and got it and it wouldn't have felt so embarrassing or shameful right. I think the same thing is true when we have certain um, strongholds or addictions or struggles failures whatever they are if we can say them then we can go get our healing right. and so you're asking if someone has a situation so one of the things that we try to do what I try to do is if I know of somebody um, that I know that they're in a particular situation I kind of try to chase after them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to feel pursued. And in other words, you know, because the, they feel ignored, they, they, cause they're, and actually they're so hurt and disappointed in themselves for yeah. what they've done. So, you know, I have, I, I, ironically, I have three friends in prison and, um, I, which from the same small Bible college was not planning that. Um, right. one of them was served uh, a few months and so in upon his release, really engaging with him, trying to help him find a job, trying to say, hey, how are you and your wife doing? Showing them that I would still have him over for dinner and laugh with him because that choice that he made does not define him. Yeah. But the one of the things I am really kind of particular on is I call having um, zero tolerance. So like when someone tries to sell me something and they're trying to like, because a couple of times he tried to like, well, and I go, no, 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 you have victims. 
So let's say it for what it is. So yeah. having zero tolerance, but having a hundred percent compassion, hmm. which is a fine, weird place to work. So when yeah. someone comes in your life that tells you that they have a prescription addiction, hey, you know, don't let them have excuses. Right. Well, it's my doctor's fault. Yeah. Or so and so's fault. You know. No, no, just own it. Yeah. But at the same time, have compassion for the yeah. struggle that they're going through. Yeah. And then in that, you start to develop a relationship and you can help usher them into a place of restoration. That's good. So That's really good. I like that. It's all Gary, about relationship, yeah. man. That's what it is. We can't, if it offends us, we don't minister to it. <laughs> and yet yeah. those are the very things that we should be pursuing. People who maybe have pursue, pursue, pursue. Yeah. And that Galatians 6.1, you yeah. know, man, it, you have. Go pursue, go after them, make yeah. it happen. Yeah. That's what we do. We I, I love the idea of, of, of no tolerance, but full compassion. And I think you're right that that is something that seems sort of backwards at first blush, certainly societally. I, right. I don't know that that's the way that we operate much, but it's, it is a powerful and profound thing. And it's sort of at the root of forgiveness to say, uh, we're actually not going to brush over this thing. We're going to name it. We're going right. to call yeah. it what it is. Absolutely. And I'm not going to condemn you for it. Like exactly. you are still welcome with me and we're going to walk this process Absolutely. as opposed to, you know, the, the sanitize or, or dr- dr- dramatize. There we go. Right. Yeah. Like, none of us can say it. So it's all right. But it's, <laughs> I think it's uh, dramatized. Yeah. Dramatized. Dramatized. Yes. dramatized. There we go. Thanks, Thank Lance. you. Um, Thank you, pastor. So pastor, <laughs> reverend, yes, sir. Uh, what would you add to this? How can we, how can we help those who have, who have fallen? Uh, yeah. Two, two most important things is that if you are in a congregation where there is a leader that has fallen and you did not, you were not actively praying for them, mm. you got culpability. Um, the, cause a lot of times we do this pointing fingers thing. Right. Uh, the Bible is very clear. If you want things to go well for you, pray for your leaders. Mm. And so if we're not praying for our leaders and then we're just pointing fingers, something seriously wrong with that. So, um, the Bible says to bear one another's burdens. And part of that is if you want your church and your spirituality to continue to grow, you better be praying for your spiritual leaders, mm-hmm. uh, because they're getting hammered mm. and usually in ways that they're not expecting. Not everybody right. has a high emotional awareness. Yeah. And so you'll go, I just, it's just a friendship and you don't understand that's where it sneaks in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's just a, this it's just, okay, yeah. I get it. It's just going the wrong direction. That's all I'm yeah. There's a good just right so, there. There we yeah. go. Um, the second thing is how the church can handle it in, in a healthy way. Because I've gone through these, I've seen some things done right and some things done wrong. Um, if you are a Christian leader right now um, and you're listening to this podcast, and you're going, well, okay, so I have to, I'm going to have to walk through this. What do, what do I do with it? The, the Probably the hardest thing that you're going to balance is how to balance privacy, confidentiality, and embarrassment to the family, mm-hmm. right? Which means right. keep it quiet. Uh, with healthy notification to those impacted in the church. A lot of people are going, why would you even address it publicly? The Bible's uh, methodology seems to suggest if it's a public sin, it's a public rebuke. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a private sin, there's no need to do a public rebuke. That doesn't make any sense. So so, um, if you're going to bring it out, here's a couple guidelines for you. Timing matters. The longer you wait, the more damage is done. But... If it's a fluid situation, be careful of jumping out too fast. Oh, and he's restored. (laughs) Boom. Or, oh, they're gone. Oh, wait, now they're in the front row. That's awkward, right? So give it a little time, but not too much time. The other one is control the narrative. Whatever is said behind closed doors will leak. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to leak accurately. So mm-hmm. control the narrative. Uh, minister to all those, those involved, those impacted, both sides. Right. And then finally, uh, this is a phrase that uh, popped in my head, thought it was legit. Uh, 
we got to lead with compassion and grace and follow with accountability and responsibility. Hmm. Um, so you always lead out with compassion and grace, which is the idea. And this is how anytime that somebody comes to me with sin, I don't have a, bo- a judgmental bone in my body, man. Right. Whatever you're going to bring me, I'm going to go, ah, if I was in your situation, I would have done the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. kind of like, <laughs> y- you give me the right scenario, I'm in. Um, <laughs> give me a few minutes. We'll build a story. Yeah. We'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. So... I don't have, you got to lead out with, uh, man, I don't know the whole scenario, but I do know that you matter to me. Right. Um, but that does not mean that you let the church be a, a doormat either. Mm-hmm. There's some responsibility and accountability. Right. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. All right. Well, hey, thanks, you guys. <laughs> wow. man, we feel wow. like we, like, man, I'm just looking back over this hour. We have covered a lot of ground. So uh, really appreciate, uh, Gary and Sharice, you guys taking the time to to be with us. And uh, thanks to you, Lance, as always. Thanks to you, our listeners, for uh, being with us this episode. Hope that uh, conversation was helpful, uh, both in looking at your own life and then how uh, you engage with and pray for uh, the leaders you've got around you. Thanks, as always, to Lucia. Hughes, Brenton, Extrand, and Montana Maurer for working the audio and video and all that good stuff. Thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time on Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.